One of the great things about Mother's Day is it gives you the opportunity to stop and think about all the things you're thankful to your mother for. Now, whether that's a biological mother or adoptive mother or spiritual mother, those women who've had a huge impact on your life. And while every day is supposed to be a day in which we express gratitude, the nice thing about Mother's Day is it sort of forces us to stop and think all the different ways that we've been blessed by those women in our lives who have acted as mothers towards us. Now, when you think about doing that, we're glad because mothers are often people that we can sort of take for granted. It's easy to think, well, this is what they're supposed to do. This is their job. And when you stop and you think about all the different ways uh, in which we've been blessed by mothers, it can be incredibly encouraging. Well, I'd like to do something similar to that this morning. Many of you may have a tradition where on Mother's Day you sit around the family table and everybody takes a moment to share what they're thankful for. Well, I'd like to do something like that, but not with earthly mothers, but instead with God. Now, I do hope that with your earthly mothers, you take the opportunity to think through all that you're grateful for. But we've gathered together to worship the Lord. And this seems like a great opportunity to just stop for a minute and think through all the ways in which God has blessed us. Now, you may be saying, well, wouldn't this be better for Father's Day? (laughs) Now, it's true that God is our father. But it's also true that God is neither male nor female. And that many of the things that we often associate with mothers, things like tender loving care, sacrificial love, compassion, understanding, those things that we often associate with mothers, as Christians, we receive those from God. So it's very fitting that today we stop and think through all the different ways that God has blessed us. And my goal for this morning is for us to walk out of here having been reminded of the many, many ways that God has been good to us and kind to us and that we might be thankful. So if you will, would you take a Bible and turn to Psalm 103? Psalm 103, it's page 428 in the Bibles that the church provides. Psalm 103, like I said at the beginning of the service, through the summer we're going to be continuing our series in First and Second Samuel as well as the Psalms. What we've been looking at this past year is how to have an undivided heart for God. And the great thing about First and Second Samuel is, is they narrate stories of what it looks like to have an undivided heart for God. But the reason why the Psalms are so important is because the Psalms give expression to our thoughts and feelings that come from an undivided heart. And what we want to know today is that one of the central aspects of a heart that is fully devoted to God is that it's a heart that's full of gratitude. And so we are going to begin looking at Psalm 103. Now, one of the amazing things about this psalm is that that's all it is, just gratitude. There are no requests in this psalm. There are no laments. 
There are no comments about enemies. There's no expressions of fear. There's no instructions. It's simply a psalm that verse after verse is listing all the different ways that God has blessed us. And just like with mothers, while there are things that we might ask of mothers, there are requests we might make of them, on Mother's Day it's nice not to do those things, but instead to stop and simply think of all the ways in which we're thankful for them. So too with God. I'm not saying that you don't have troubles this morning. I'm not saying that there aren't burdens on your heart. I'm not saying that there aren't things that you need to ask God for. But I'm sensing this morning that what's best for us is to put those aside for just a moment and simply go through all the ways that God has blessed us. So we begin in Psalm 103. David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, just like with mothers, it's easy to take them for granted. To think that, well, yeah, it's their job. They're supposed to clean up after me. They're supposed to help. They're supposed to organize life. They're supposed to always be there. They're supposed to have the right answer. And sometimes you can take them for granted because they do their job so well. Well, what's true of mothers is even more true of God. Sometimes we can think, well, that's his job. He's supposed to be God. He's supposed to take care of stuff. He's supposed to look out for things. And because he does his job so well... We can forget just how many ways he has blessed us. And so David says, look, let's stop for a minute and let's just recount the ways that God has blessed us. And so that's what he does. He jumps in verse three with the very first one. Who forgives all your sins. David says, the first thing I'm thankful for about God is that he forgives my sins. Down in verse 12, David's going to repeat the same idea, but give us one of the most beautiful word pictures in the Bible when it comes to forgiveness. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And the picture here is a mother with a young baby. And as young babies do, they often dirty their diapers. And the mother takes the baby into the bedroom to change the baby and she cleans the baby all up and then she takes the dirty diaper and she throws it away. She separates that diaper from her baby as far as the east is from the west. In many ways, this is the picture that God is trying to give us of what he does with our sins. Is that as humans, we make a mess of things. What God does is he comes and he cleans us up and he throws the sin away. Could you imagine a mother who didn't do this? Can you imagine a mother who after their child dirties his diaper, she comes in and cleans them all up and wraps up the diaper and then puts it in the corner. Says, well, I'm going to keep it for him. <laughs> and as he grows older, he'll have his toys and his clothes and his pictures and all his dirty diapers. And can you imagine her giving a tour to someone coming through the house and saying, this is my son's room. Look, there are all his diapers. And the visitor's like, what are you doing? And she says, well, well they're his, aren't they? 
Well, no mother would do that. No mother wants that associated with her child. As soon as it's cleaned up, it's removed, it's forgotten, it's separated. There is no more connection between that diaper and that child. It's gone. And that's what David says God does with our sin. He cleans us up and it's gone forever. Not just some of our sins, not the small sins, not the easy messes that are easy to clean up. David says he forgives all our sins. All our transgressions are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. When God cleans us up, it's gone. And all God sees when he holds us is a beautiful baby boy or a beautiful baby girl. Completely clean and lovable and wonderful. And David says, I'm so thankful. Every one of my sins, gone. Separated from me as far as the east is from the west. David continues, second half of verse three. And heals all your diseases. The first phrase has to do with the fact of sin. The second phrase has to do with the consequences of sin. When we talk about diseases, that not only refers to physical diseases, it also refers to emotional suffering, to persecution, to difficulties, to hardships. And what David is saying is is that there are consequences to our sins. Sometimes those consequences are the direct result of our sin. Sometimes those wounds that we experience are the direct result of others sinning against us. And sometimes the diseases that we experience, the troubles in life, are simply the consequence of sin in general in the world, that we live in a fallen world. Whatever the reason, David realizes that the troubles we have in life are a result of the fact that there is sin in this world. But David says, I'm thanking God. He heals all our diseases. When I'm on my study break, I don't read any email. I don't take any phone calls. It's my time to be alone with the Lord and I can't be distracted by any of those things. And so uh, my wife knows that she's only to call uh, about church business in an emergency. And two weeks ago on Sunday, I got just such a call. And Lisa said to me as she's crying, I had to call you because it looks like Ruth Goodbranson is dying. What? What? Ruth, my assistant? Ruth, who's this picture of health? Ruth, who is as sweet and as godly as they come? Ruth, who served at Calvary Church for 25 years? Who a year ago had made plans to retire this May so that she could spend more time with her family and other ministry opportunities? And Lisa's trying to explain this to me that that Ruth had a disease that seeped into her brain and it began to shut down all the organs in her body and that she was on life support and that everything was failing. And the doctors were hour by hour whether she was going to live or not and that they had called all the family to come and say goodbye. And I'm in Florida and I'm getting this news and I'm trying to to wrap my mind around it and and I just began to walk around and I just began to... I got lost. I had no idea where I was. I think I walked for an hour and I prayed and I thought and I wondered, how can this be? 
And the doctors didn't have much hope for her. She was in a coma and they did not expect her to come out of it. But her family was praying. The staff was praying. The choir was praying. Many people in the church were praying. I was praying. And miraculously, God heals her disease. Now, she has a ways to go. She's still in the hospital. You may have seen her name up here. But miraculously, she's come out of the coma. Her organs are working again. Her mind seems to be working again. They're working through all the things that she's been through. And I'm, I'm reading this psalm this week and I'm thinking, this is what God does. He heals our diseases. This is the mercy of God. And so on Tuesday, I drove to the hospital and said, Ruth, I got to read you your psalm. This is for you. This is what God does. And we stop and we say, think about it for a minute. Think about all the diseases you've ever had in your life. All of the sickness, all of the wounds, all of the difficulties, all of the suffering. God has healed you from those things. And we rejoice. I look at Ruth and I think, that's what this psalm is. It's a miracle that God is doing this. And you say, but not everybody gets healed. Which is why verse 4 follows verse 3. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The pit here refers to death. And whereas the phrase forgives all your sins deals with the reality of sin and heals all your diseases deals with the consequences of sin. Who redeems your life from the pit deals with the penalty of sin. God tells us the penalty of sin is death. Physical death and spiritual death. Separation from God. But the reason that David is rejoicing is that God has overcome not only the consequences of sin, but the penalty of sin. He's overcome death itself that through Jesus, whom God gave his only beloved, his only son to this world, so that whoever believes on him might not perish, or die but have everlasting life. The David is realizing that God has given us the opportunity to overcome death. Physical death and spiritual death. That those who believe in Jesus will never die. And that when we physically die, God raises us back to life and crowns us with love and compassion. Last week, you had the opportunity to be ministered to by our high school students. And it was a real blessing uh, as they were here uh, leading in worship and participating in the service. One thing they didn't tell you was that the candle was lit last week because three high school students in separate instances had come to faith in Jesus that week. The reason the candle is lit this week is because a fourth high school student last Sunday night came to faith. 
You look in this world and you look at all the difficult things and all the stuff that teenagers have to go through and all of the pressures and all of the evil and all of the temptations and all the things that are going on. And in the middle of it, David says, yeah, but God still redeems people from the pit. He still saves people. He comes into the middle of all these problems and all of this sin and all this stuff and he rescues people and gives them eternal life. Those four high school students can never fall prey to death never be eternally separated from God. And that's what God has given to you and to me if we're believers in Jesus. And David says, if we're going to go back and think about all the things God's done for us, let's not forget. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. He rescues us from death and gives us eternal life. David goes on, verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's lots of things in this world that people pursue, thinking it's going to satisfy their soul money, sex, 